I think this is a really, really important point because certainly the news, you know, there's, there's no money in positive news. It's rare for us to see that, as we all know, but it doesn't mean that there isn't positive news out there. There's a lot of things where people are already doing better and industries and trends where things will continue to be very positive. So I think it's worth talking about some of those too. This is Crisis Cast 2020 with me, Toby Goodman, a podcast where I get timely wisdom from experts in life and business. These guests will answer my five questions, sharing wisdom and insights to help you and me get through this global shitstorm. Today on Crisis Cast 2020, marketing, entertainment, online membership entrepreneur, author and mouse-loving guru, Andrew Locke, the man who said to me five words that changed my life. They were not, Toby, will you marry me? Andrew is a Brit with US citizenship who was living in a casino in Vegas when the lockdown started and moved back to the UK having been away for 17 years. In this conversation, Andrew shares trends he's seeing in business, including positive ones. And we also talk education, sound, simplicity, and his favorite thing, Disney. And by the way, those five words were, you are not your customer. Enjoy. Before we start the show, I have something for you if you identify as pod curious. It's perfect for you if you're an expert, consultant or business owner. Maybe you're wondering if podcasting is worth the effort, especially now, or perhaps you've tried podcasting in the past but have been disappointed with the results. In this free guide, Podstar, I'll share the exact seven steps we use to help publish over 2,000 podcasts each month. To get instant access, go to podcastnetworksolutions.com. Andrew Locke, welcome to Crisis Cast 2020. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Toby. Your uh, tone is very reassuring in this time of trouble. Thanks. I just came down three or four octaves from a few seconds ago, right? I don't know why. <laughs> just going chocolate voice focusing it's yeah it's good i like it yeah okay so let's let's get started you're a brit who worked very very hard to get your u.s citizenship but now you're back mm. in the uk you're back in the uk so give me the lowdown when did you decide to come back what's been your experience on a local level where you were where you are now what, what's going on man update me well, it was not really designed this way, as I'm sure a lot of people can relate in terms of, um, you know, forced decisions. Earlier this year, I was planning to visit my parents in the Somerset area. And I had come to the end of a, a contract at the house that I was uh, living in, in Las Vegas. I've been in the States for 17 years, by the way. There was a sort of a crossover time at the end of that period when I had to move out of the house, but I still had some work to do. So I was um, living in one of the Las Vegas casinos for what was going to be about 10 days just to sort of finish up. You weren't dancing in the casinos while you were there? No, <laughs> no, definitely not. Just I checking. Think you'd want to see that. So yeah, so the plan was to to visit my parents for an extended period after that. Anyway. About six or seven days into the stay in the hotel in Vegas was when things went really, really crazy. Uh, MGM resorts 
who own probably almost half of the hotels in or casinos in Vegas announced that they were going to uh, close everything down the next day. And I was staying in a hotel owned by the other half, uh, which is Caesars Resorts between them. They own most of the properties. I thought, well, I know what's going to happen. You know, in <laughs> it's pretty obvious that in the next day or two, Caesars are going to announce their closing as well. And, it, you know, you can imagine it's just surreal. And, and so as the, as the time went on over the days, the numbers started dwindling and dwindling because, you know, obviously it was mostly people on vacation and the shows started stopping. You know, the Cirque du Soleil went from, uh, who have seven shows in Vegas, they went from doing two shows a night down to one show a night. And then shortly after that, they announced that all the shows suddenly were going to close. That set the lead for the rest of the strip where, you know, there's, these days there's well over 150 shows, small and large. You know, some of those Cirque shows, for example, have a cast of 60, 70 people and even more than that behind the scenes as technicians. So, you know, many, many thousands of people so it was, it really got very surreal in Vegas, really, really strange. I mean, having lived there for two years and Los Angeles before that, um, it was very, very strange. Anyway, when all the travel restrictions started happening as well, uh, where the airlines were only flying in and out of certain handful of airports in the States, like the big hubs like San Francisco, uh, Los Angeles, New York. Chicago, I realized, you know, I've, re- I've really, I've got to leave early and, um, and head out. So that's what I did. Yeah. Little did anyone really know at that time, you know, just how crazy things were going to get, you know, it was all, it all happened very fast. You know, Trump made his announcement about restricting travel from Europe and then including, uh, England as well. Uh, fortunately that didn't affect me. Uh, unusually because I have a dual citizenship, but but there were a great many British people in the States who were affected. And there was a great many American people in England and Europe that were affected. And many of them had to scramble to um, get a flight back. I, I know quite a few people personally who uh, ended up having to pay thousands of dollars to just to get back home. So yeah, really, <laughs> really bizarre time. Um, so it for me, it, it did coincide with this planned extended visit to my parents. It just turned out the timing was good. You know, the circumstances were very strange. Yeah, my uh, business partner, Kate, was over. So that was like 10th, 11th of March, something like that, when Trump made, made that announcement. And we'd had, this, we'd had this week in London, you know, having a really good time and, and kind of doing some work here. And I dropped her off at... Gatwick. She flew from Gatwick and and she woke up the next morning in her hotel to that headline of like Trump's closing. So she she got back um, to Michigan, you know, within that sort of 24, 48 hour period on a flight that she'd pre-booked, you know. Oh, yeah, that was very fortunate because that 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 day when he announced that it was it was actually evening time uh, here in Europe when he announced that and things just went absolutely crazy at the airports because um, the the travel had been declining because of the effects of the virus were already having a huge effect on travel. But for those next few days, it went the complete opposite direction when I, all of the flights out of here 
to back to the States were fully booked up, like way overbooked. Mm. It just went, it went crazy. So you're in the UK now with, with your folks, with your parents? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, um, it's been really nice to spend time with them. And um, it's been years, probably decades, actually, or at least more than a decade that I've spent a significant amount of time here. I do love the States. As you know, the weather here has been remarkably good. And that's one of the original reasons why I moved away from England was because I re- I really struggled with the the poor weather and, and, you know, the lack of sunshine and so on. But I feel really um, fortunate to have had this, enjoyed this period. I mean, I think today as we're recording this and tomorrow going to be the hottest day so far in this year. And, and we're in May, which is, uh, is quite unusual, isn't it? Yeah, it's been lovely. We've been walking in the woods and like, it's actually too hot for me. I don't know what the temperature is here, but it's, you know, hotter than I'm comfortable with. So look, you're, there's so many things uh, about you that I could say, but let's just say you're in demand speaker. You run Sam sales advertising marketing event, which is a live event in the US. You've got a web show, very expert, probably, you know, the world's number one expert in membership community websites and running that. So you're, you're all over it in some ways, but obviously the speaker part and the Sam part Mm. at the moment must've stopped. And you're also out of your lovely little studio space in the US that you've created in that life. So are you set up here to do that? And like, how's business? What's going on? Well, yeah, like everybody, I have been affected, as you say, a a big part of my business is uh, live events and um, also speaking. I I speak a lot about um, business entrepreneurship and Walt Disney, which is sort of my specialist subject. So that's all disappeared. But in terms of the recording, which is again, a big part of what I do, as you've probably seen on TV, you know, even the big massive production shows have had to adapt and that's what I've done. So, you know, the great thing is these days with, you know, a bit of decent lighting and, um, or recording outdoors, a, a decent microphone and a modern cell phone, it pretty much have, you know, what you need. And that's what I've been doing. So it's, you know, when you have to adapt, you do. And it's quite remarkable what's possible with a bit of thought and ingenuity. So yeah, it's definitely a changing time. It's, It's fascinating to me with my original background in TV at the BBC and whatnot, like your good lady. How is she, by the way? She's all right. She's still going in actually. Oh, she's still going in. Yeah. I see that. I watch the news every day and it's like this deserted mass of space behind the presenter there. First of all, it's weird because the journalists are remote. A lot of people are doing stuff from home. It's a skeleton crew in what you know, because we were there together, is just a huge, like vast space and there's literally no one there. So that's what's going on. And, and they are kind of living in our world a bit, you know, it's like, this Absolutely, is what we've yeah. done. So tell me about your business. I mean, you've, you obviously find doing stuff online. You're not speaking. Yeah. Well, just, you have to adapt or pivot as many people are saying. And, um, I've been studying some of the trends and, uh, I'm in a few different mastermind groups where we meet up and compare notes about you know, what's happening and helping each other and so on. And there was a few things actually that might be interesting to share that I've been researching and sort of thinking about because whatever business we're in, there's bound to be 
effects of this situation. And sometimes this is, it's good to periodically review what we're doing and why we're doing it anyway, to look at, you know, are there any changes in trends that we can embrace for the better? And at the very least, we need to be aware of what's happening so that we're not caught out. A few of the things that, you know, some of this is obvious, but some, you know, maybe, uh, you know, new thoughts, the things that significantly that have been affected and that will be affected for quite a period now are, of course, travel, uh, both from the business side of things and the vacation side of things. Because uh, even when, let's say for holidays, even though it's possible that we will be allowed to go in June, July, August, are the airlines going to be supportive. And even if they are, they've said in this country anyway, that when you come back, you're, not, you're going to have to do two weeks compulsory quarantine, which for a lot of people, that's just not going to be practical. And then on the business side too, there's a lot of people that want to travel to get back to business. I mean, travel was a huge part of what I used to do. I was on a plane almost every week. But for now, there's so many knock-on effects of, first of all, the airlines have drastically reduced their schedules, you know, some up to 95%. Also, you know, the prices are going up. The Even when there are planes, some routes have already been oversubscribed. You know, some airlines are talking about saving the middle seat, which I, you know, personally, I don't think it really makes much difference. It's all recycled air in the plane anyway. But yeah, travel and the other associated industries, car rental, hotels, that's all affected. Another big one is having a reduced selection or choice of goods. The big reason for that being that, you know, China, when most of the world's goods are made these days, having been on lockdown, and by extension, pretty much every major country being on lockdown now, that means, you know, all of those factories and warehouses and distribution systems are stopped for at least a period of a few months. So we're already starting to see the knock-on effect of less selection. And, uh, you know, it might be things like, you know, our car needs repair and it's difficult to to find the part, you know, things like that. That's what we're going to see a lot of over the rest of this year as a result of manufacturing being stopped in so many places. So, you know, real significant knock-on effect. Obviously, less gatherings, you know, which applies to live events, like we said, theatre, shows, concerts, but also the shopping malls and centres. Less people are going to want to go out even after the lockdown is lifted. People are going to be more cautious. Church, gyms, there's a lot of concern about the cleanliness of those types of places too. In the real estate sphere, because so many people have adapted and realised that they can adapt to working from home or you know working um, remotely, wherever that might be, we're going to see a big reduction in the demand for commercial real estate. People are going to be trying to get out of their contracts and not renewing. Those are some big things on the negative side, but it's worth also thinking about the. there's a lot of positive things that are trends on the other side of the equation where the demand is increasing and it will do. And I think this is a really, really important point because certainly the news, you know, there's, there's no money in positive news. It's rare for us to see that, as we all know, but it doesn't mean that there isn't positive news out there. There's a lot of things where people are already doing better and industries and trends where things will continue to be 
very positive. So I think it's worth talking about some of those too. So one of them is uh, the fact that there will be a lot more home delivery, not only in this period of lockdown, but beyond that too, because a lot of people have discovered online ordering and the benefit of not having to go out. A lot of people have discovered that for the first time with things like Amazon Prime and so on and gross home grocery deliveries, which have absolutely uh, shot up in demand. So now that a lot more people have discovered it, they're going to continue using it for convenience. Another big trend, of course, is fitness. Less people will be going to gyms, uh, but the the need for fitness is is increased. You know, as we're like most of us are doing less exercise than we normally would do, and so there will be a lot more demand for fitness at home. And uh, the gyms will probably see a, quite a decline for a period, especially with concerns about social distancing and the cleanliness of the, the equipment and so on. There will be a need for a lot more mental health care as depression and addiction increases, which it is doing. The demand for those services and support from both professionals and communities will, will definitely see an increase. The area around uh, contactless payments any services that make paying easier and with less friction and less use of physical cash, as we've all been encouraged to do. As a lot of people have, have predicted, of course, we don't know for sure yet, but there probably will be a big spike in births in the next seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 months. And so that's going to create uh, an increased demand for products and services all around newborns and parenting and so on. Would you like to make an announcement now? No, no announcement for me. <laughs> uh, homegrown fruits and vegetables is another one. You know, a lot of people have discovered the benefits and the um, satisfaction of growing things at home for food. And, you know, they realize that when items haven't been available at their supermarkets, that's an option, you know, to grow these things at home. So there's definitely an increase in that. Have you done any gardening yourself? I haven't, but it is happening. My wife ah. is definitely investing in more soil and waiting for deliveries of specific things I don't understand. And both my neighbours each side, very keen gardeners. We have a nice situation here. So we have a lady that's just moved in recently and she's she's going for it. You know, her kids are a lot older than ours, so she's got more time on her hands. Uh, she works with the police and she's been furloughed. So she's like really going for it. I think the... um the appearance of the front of our houses uh, has never looked so good. It's very therapeutic for a lot of people, I think, too, isn't it? I think it's a good outlet. There's already been a big increase in the interest of what they, I don't know what they would call it here, but in the States, they call it survivalist or preppers, you know, people who spend a lot of time thinking about dramatic events outside of their control, whether it be health related or government related or whatever but that area has seen a huge explosion of people you know stockpiling food and being much more aware of on the extreme end it's people building bunkers in their garden and things like that it's, it's amazing that you know that's a that's a huge industry in the states there's quite a few companies that make these incredibly expensive and complex and substantial shelters I, I didn't even know that whole world existed, but yeah, it's it's amazing. Yeah, I've seen I've seen a few things online. It's yeah, it's a thing, you know, where we're we're all buying toilet roll here and, and stuff. Uh, remote working mentioned that a little earlier, but you know, the the a lot of companies uh, have 
realized, hey, you know what? Actually, this this is working, and we could save a lot of money by having our people work remotely. In fact, I think it was Twitter that came out the other day and said, anyone after the lockdown that wants to work from home can. Uh, so that's a big shift by that big company, and I'm sure others will do the same. And so, you know, supplies and and we'll probably see an increase in everything related to setting up a home office and can think convenient for, for working at home. That's going to see a big increase. Uh, online learning too, you know, with people having more time on their hands, the various platforms that offer online learning courses are seeing a huge spike in interest. And I'm sure that will continue. In the States, Linda is very popular, L-Y-N-D-A.com and Udemy, U-D-E-M-Y. Yeah. Is, there, is there any sort of more British-centric platform like that that you know of? Um, well, Udemy or Udemy, however you want to say it, is definitely something that we use. I'm aware of. I've bought courses from it myself. You know, I was going to say actually yesterday, so we're talking 20th of May, so last night, 19th, Cambridge University, you know, the one of the top two decided to announce that all of the next academic year will be online with possibly some, um, you know, mixing and events and stuff later on, but they're deciding to deliver the content of all of those courses at the UK's top university that's, yeah, online, that's which is, that is massive because that whole, think about when people go to university and the, the whole social experience that they've kind of removed, you know, so I imagine they're going to try and when the situation allows, they're going to try and do it, but they've consciously said like, we're going to deliver the content of the course online. Now, when it comes to delivering the content of courses online, you are the man. So what are you seeing? Like, cause you've got a number of membership websites you look after, you've number of clients who have membership websites as well. Obviously they're covering very different things, but what are you seeing? Are you seeing an, an uptake or like what? What's oh going? yeah, absolutely. It is definitely a different animal. It's a different skill and it is harder in some ways to do it online because, you know, when you're physically in a room with someone, the level of engagement and attention does tend to be it tends to be better. It's it's easier to focus. You know, there's more distractions and a tendency to be distracted when we're uh, just sitting at home. And it's, it's hard also to sit in at home, you know, where mentally we're conditioned to be more relaxed in that environment. It's really hard to do that, especially for long periods. So I'd be interested to see how they do with that because, you know, like in a, in a college or a school, you know, the students are, are typically moving regularly, you know, between lessons and talking to others and there's more uh, interaction, there's more engagement with humans. And so it, it isn't the same. There are definitely huge differences. And, and, you know, even in presentation style too, you know, in terms of the way that you share the information, the visuals, the visual aspects, the quality of the, the sound and the video that you're broadcasting, there's, there's a lot that goes into it. And I think a lot of teachers, because of course, you know, in school, a lot of uh, areas are doing that too online with with Zoom. I mean, Zoom's become the new buzzword, and it's almost a descriptive word, like Hoover, isn't it? You know, it's become become the word for describing all types of video conferencing. I saw a stat at the weekend, which was just absolutely 
bonkers, which is that Zoom as a company is now worth valued more than all of the major US airlines combined. This software company worth more than all the airlines with all of their thousands of planes, each of which which costs hundreds of millions of dollars. I mean, it's it's just, you know, and that of course is because the those airlines have lost between 55 and 75 percent of their value in the last couple of months. It's, yeah, it's it's just absolutely crazy. But you know, everybody's jumping on Zoom and here we are too doing this uh, podcast recording on Zoom too. You know, it's a great tool. It it makes it easy. Had you used Zoom beforehand, before this? Yeah, I was was using Zoom, but I, you know, I came from Skype and I think probably in the last three years, it was just, you know, we use Zoom here and it came from the US, you know, it came from my uh, clients and colleagues in the US, it was very much like, you know, it's Zoom. So I had to get my head around it and it was weird. And after the additional security strangeness that Zoom encountered, uh, which they seem to have got on top of quickly, it's great. It's not perfect. There are other tools. I just imagine that the opportunities for you are always there because, you know, you've got an audience and and, and all of that stuff. But equally, I, I imagine that Places like Cambridge University are going to discover people like you who are all over communicating online and are aware of you know the differences between presenting in person, which you do, and the differences in being presenting online. That's a fascinating subject, and I'm very passionate about the audio part of that. You know, knowing that a good quality microphone is much more pleasant to listen to. When I talk about podcasts to people, and and in fact, in one of the things we have. I always say, look, you know, this is why you need a professional microphone. They say, yeah, you sound great, man. And I go, well, yeah, I know I sound great. But just to let you know, (laughs) you know, to me, you sound... You sound like this. Yeah. It's a difference. Oh. And do you want to listen to this? Do you want to listen to this for two hours when you're doing your degree? It's it's painful. (laughs) Do you want to listen to this? And it... you know, I have a whole kind of, you know, sketch that I've got, I've got nailed, but it's, it's amazing when people go, oh yeah. And even back to, you know, when I was selling events, you know, when I was, when I was running a band and stuff, mm. we found lighting really easy to sell. We found sound very much harder to sell because they couldn't see the results. So you had to kind of talk about, you know, how hard it is to listen to the guy on the train platform when it comes through the horrible tinny speaker and you miss your train and all, all of that stuff, we had a load of, we had a load of stuff. But now sound is becoming really important, even more important, perhaps. It's, uh, it's fascinating to me too, you know, because I, I also came from that world, as you know, of professional production. And that's one of the, I mentioned Disney earlier, that's one of the things that always impresses me about what Disney does in their theme parks, whether it's Disneyland Paris or one of the parks in the States or wherever it is around the world. They obviously live entertainment is a is a big part of what they do. And they have a variety of shows, whether it be a band or singers on a on the you know the floats in the parade or um or or one of the dedicated stage shows like in California now they've got a permanent version of Frozen live on stage in the Disney uh, California Adventure theme park. It's shorter, but it's as good quality as any Broadway show you'll ever see. Anyway, my point is with the sound, in all of those circumstances, they have designed and 
invested in and built the best quality sound system that money can buy. Like they, they never, ever, ever skimp on sound. And it's really, I, I consciously notice it. I'm attuned to it and it's just so good. It's always intelligible. It feels right. You know, all the lows and the highs are there. It's not muddy. It's, it's absolutely spot on. And I really so appreciate that about Disney because, and if you, if you compare it to other sort of entertainment options, you really do notice a difference. And it is very strategic by them. They, they fully understand that people subconsciously, in most cases, judge the quality of one of those shows from the sound. Then, you know, I, we're different because we, you know, we're aware of sound because it's, we're interested in it and it's part of our background and career. But most people, it's only subconscious, but it, it is there. It's for sure. Subconsciously, they know there's elements that are making this show or presentation very, very high quality. You know, most people can't consciously put their finger on it, but that's, that's a big part of what it is. It's, it is the very high quality sound. It's fascinating to see. The man for that stuff is a guy who I've kind of been stalking. I don't know him, but I kind of, I taught his son and I discovered him through teaching his son, this guy called Julian Treasure. He's done about five TED Talks. I think his company's called The Sound Agency. He's written this incredible book, which is like a complete Bible to me called How to Be Heard. And he talks about sound. He talks about the opening is when Pythagoras was teaching the story is that he used to put a screen up in front of him between him and his students for the first year so they could only focus and they weren't distracted on the visual. And his his uh, his company go in and, and they help businesses design their sound environments. The open plan office is the enemy of productivity and you know, what does it sound like to be in in this retail or, you know, entertainment park or wherever it is, or train station. And if it sounds better, then people will stay for longer because they'll be more comfortable, right? And his work totally speaks to everything you're saying. And I had made a note because I know you're a lover of all things Disney. And, and I was thinking, crikey, you know, what are they going to be doing? All their theme parks are shut down. Mm. And, then in, and then within the minute of me having that thought... I just realized that I'd just become yet another one of the subscribers to Disney Plus as a father of, of two young kids, right? And there was a stat, I don't know where it was, but it was something insane that the Disney Plus subscription that we can get if we have an internet TV or a fire stick or whatever it is we have, seven or eight bucks a month or whatever. And I was just like, I signed up on day two of the lockdown, I think, you know, we were just thinking, God, what are we going to do with our kids? And oh, look at, look at that. They've got all those classic films that we remember and like sharing Mary Poppins and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids as, along with all of the new stuff and it's got National Geographic. So I imagine that Disney are probably going to be okay. I don't know what's going to happen to their theme parks. Are you? Yeah, are you I mean, they, they, the theme parks do account for the majority of the revenue, believe it or not. So they lost, in the first quarter this year, they lost a billion dollars, which is um, obviously a lot of money. But they typically um, will bring in about, in the range of about 45 billion a year. So it's not the end of the world in the grand scheme of things. And certainly things like this uh, subscription are, are helping a lot. And, you know, long term, they'll be fine. They always are. They're very very inventive, very, you know, thoughtfully strategic company. In interestingly, I don't know if you've seen any of them yet, but there are some really great behind the scenes documentaries in that 
subscription. There's one particularly about, um, there's a whole series about Imagineering. I highly recommend it. It's really, really well produced. Um, but they also have a day in the life of different departments around Disney too. Uh, that's my favorite aspect, actually, of that subscription is all the all the behind the scenes uh, documentaries of which, you know, they're very, very well done. Right. And you've seen the other stuff anyway. Yeah, I'm going to. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to check out um, Julian Treasure. It sounds really interesting. Um, when you talked about him, it reminded me of there's a podcast uh, called 99% Invisible, which is a very, very clever show because the whole concept of the show is talking about topics that we don't consciously think about most of, for most of our lives. And they did one episode all about sound design. One of the points they made in that episode, we're talking about hospitals and that no thought whatsoever has gone into the sound design of hospital equipment. How true that is. You know, I was in hospital last December and I was hooked up to various machines and they were beeping away and, you know, they were alarming. And I tell you, I said to the to the nurse, you know, is it really necessary to have all these sounds and alarms? And she said, actually, no, it isn't. So I said, can you turn it off? Within about 10 minutes of them turning it off, my blood pressure had completely come down. I was much calmer. But essentially, that was what this episode was saying, was that the sound, can't really call it design because they haven't designed it, but the sound functions of these various hospital equipment is actually making most of the issues worse rather than better. So, you know, they could change the sounds to make them still mean something significant to a nurse or a doctor without unnecessarily causing harm or concern to the patient, which is what tends to happen now. So I thought that was really, really a fascinating point that, you know, again, the sound is is really an afterthought in many cases. It certainly is with hospital equipment because um, you know the whole focus is on the function of the equipment rather than it probably someone just plucked out a few sounds or let's get an alarm and you know they don't they don't think about how that affects the patients. It's very very interesting. Yeah, ninety nine percent of visible is just an incredible podcast. Oh, you heard it? Oh, uh, yeah. It's I mean. I've, I have a feeling that that episode that you're speaking about was possibly a guest show from another podcast, which is all about that. And the other podcast, if it is, if it's not, then sorry, but I'm going to put the links up to all of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Is that another podcast called 20,000 Hertz, which is all about, it could be the history of sound, it could be different stuff that it covers like everything to do with any kind of sound and the history of the sound and where does that sound come from? And yeah, if you want to nerd out about that, then those things are... out on sound. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny how this has gone in that direction. It's important. Uh, it's important to me anyway. So um, again, complete misquote, but I think something Julian Treasure says at some point is or 90% of sound is sort of unintentional disruption, not being yeah. thought about. It's just noise that we create as part of being human. It's a very lovely, succinct quote that I'll try and find. But yeah, most most sound is unintentional disruption. It's it's not helpful. So if we can make sound helpful, especially when we're talking about the online learning process and someone who just thought they were about to go to Cambridge and have a great time. The practical application of what we're talking about is the fact that primarily you want to have a good quality microphone. It's they're not expensive. I'm I'm, or they don't have to be. I'm using a um, a blue, which I, I think um, 
which plugs just straight straight into a USB port. And um, I think it was like $100 or something like that. As you're doing, it's definitely helpful to listen with headphones. You get less feedback or likelihood of it. That one thing alone, it does make a significant difference in the quality of a presentation or if you're interacting with someone, you know, it's, it just makes it much more pleasurable. Yeah. And ultimately gets the message across effectively. Right. Cool. So, you know, we've, we've covered a lot of stuff and I feel like, you know, Karen was talking for a long time. Interested really specifically in, in finding out how you're helping your clients right now because you have a stable of clients that you work with, people that you help. Is there anything that you've changed inside the membership stuff that you're doing, working with people there? Are you helping giving specific advice or guidance in any way? The increase has definitely been in terms of Zoom type meetings and communications. Inside the membership, I think it was pretty much optimized for online learning, which as you mentioned, I've been doing a long time. So I've made a lot of discoveries and progress in optimizing an environment for that. What one example would be when someone joins one of my online platforms, I never take it for granted that they understand what to do because you know, there's, there's people who it'll be their first time studying an online course, or, you know, it could be an older person who is less familiar with uh, navigating and so on. So the first thing I do is an, is a tour where I show people, you know, here's, here's what to do now, basically here's the interface, here's how to use it. Sort of working to that lowest common denominator is a good thing. I, I subscribe to many other people's courses online uh, both for research and because I'm interested in learning. And that's a big mistake I see a lot of people making is they, they have no kind of onboarding uh, or handholding to reassure people and take them through a strategic process so that they feel good and excited about what lies ahead. So that's a big one. What's, what's next for you? The, the project that I was sort of developing, um, ironically, was um, based on my love of travel. It's a, a resource based around a website called The Travel Hacker, how to travel in more comfort and uh, even luxury without breaking the bank, which is something that I've enjoyed doing for many, many years. And um, so I'm creating a, an online TV show and courses around that. You know, it's, it's obviously not the best time, but I'm confident that uh, travel will return and uh, it's it's inevitable. So that's what I'm something that I'm very passionate about and enjoying enjoying very much. Camping camping is up five hundred percent. I read today. Oh wow, wow! So so uh, perhaps let's let's research some yurts together at some point. Or <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Glamping glamping is up as well. I imagine so. That's really cool. I'm sure there'll be even more hacks. That's what I take from it. There'll yeah, be even more yeah. Hacks. Never, it's it's a constantly changing area, which is part of why I'm interested in it. And uh, so, yeah, I'll be recording. I've, I've recorded quite a bit of stuff uh, on location already in airports and whatnot. But uh, yeah, just starting to put that together. And um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Great. That's very cool. So what have you seen from your time leaving the Strip? To getting to Westbury. <laughs> it's an incredible journey. What have you seen that's impressed you? What changes have you seen around you that mm. you've thought, oh, that's cool? Yeah, interesting question. 
I think it's, it's quite remarkable to see how everyone is adapting, to be honest. You know, if, if I go into, uh, like I, I went into a little fish and chip shop yesterday and they had built new Perspex screens to protect the staff and whatnot and similar thing in, in other stores. And, you know, in the supermarkets, they've marked the floors for social distancing and all that. There's been a lot of pivoting very fast. I've been impressed by how fast companies have been um, changing and reacting to the circumstances. I think it's quite remarkable, too, to see the impact on the world of nature. You know, I mean, most of us are, are familiar with hearing and seeing lots of planes flying overhead, depending on where we live. Just seeing things in the news like the ozone layers healing and uh, whether the weather phenomenons we're seeing are natural or as a result of less pollution and whatnot, I don't know. But, you know, certainly in, in China, for example, you know, they, they were able to see clear skies for the first time in many, many years because the factories weren't spewing out this pollution. So that's definitely surprised me and is a very positive thing, of course. I mean, you know, who knows what will happen if, if, if it'll all go back to how it was or not. I don't know. But it's certainly interesting to see how the world itself, you know, whatever you want to call it, the, you know, nature aspect is, uh, has adapted quite quickly in a positive way to having less interference by us. You know, without getting too philosophical, it's very noticeable. And I think it's a good reminder for all of us about how we're treating the planet. You know, the evidence is everywhere around us, particularly in areas that were particularly bad, you know, like China and and so on. I mean, I, I distinctly remember going to places like Beijing and on every visit that I've done there, after two or three days, my throat has hurt. And when I blow my nose, you know, it was all basically dirt there. And you, you start to develop a cough even after a few days there. So it's a significant problem, you know, the pollution and, and the way that we're treating the planet. It's, it's, I don't profess to have the answers, but it's something that is sort of a wake up call, isn't it? Definitely. And it's really nice to, to hear you talk about that because I was imagining you living a very hedonistic <laughs> Vegas style private jet lifestyle but uh, yes it's good that's happening now that you're back in Westbury as well you must be feeling it but yeah, yeah. I'm fit it's definitely quieter we don't live far far from the main road here mm. it's definitely it's definitely quieter uh, where where can one find you Andrew of many talents that is jolly kind of you to ask the the on the business side of my sharings and teachings. Um, that's now available at Sam S A M success.com. That's uh, Sam stands for sales, advertising, marketing. And then there's the travel hacker, which is the travel hacker.com. Uh, if you're interested in learning how to travel more without breaking the bank, um, the Disney tours that I do, are uh, you can find out more about that at, uh, magical, marketingexperience.com magicalmarketingexperience.com and um, this is for you but because we're on video I just um, came out with my new book called Walt Disney's Way that's available on Amazon I've written seven books but this by far is the one that took the longest to research and write and um, it's had 
uh, great reviews, which I'm very thankful for. And uh, it's it's very helpful uh, for if you're in business or you're an entrepreneur. It's how to build a better business using the magical marketing strategies of Mr. Walt Disney. Bloody marvellous. I'm going to get into that. Thank you very much. And uh, congratulations. I'm glad you got it out. Yeah. And thanks. Thanks so much. Really good to see you, man. Oh, it's been fun. Yeah. Thanks for the invite. And um, I hope there was some value in here for your good listeners. Thanks for thanks for doing the podcast. Thanks, mate. This episode of Crisis Cast 2020 was produced by me in London and Kate Astrakhan in Michigan, with artwork by Ryan Field and sound design by Lee Turner. Crisis Cast 2020 is a production from Podcast Network Solutions, a full-service podcast production company who are ready to help you plan, record, produce, and promote your message with podcasting. To find out more and grab your copy of Podstar if you're feeling pod curious, visit us at podcastnetworksolutions.com. <laughs>